They're coming. They're coming your way. They'll be here soon. Miramax Family Films presents Jason James Richter, the star of Free Willy, in the never-ending story three, Escape from Fantasia. Based on the best-selling book by Michael Ende, the adventure continues for everyone who loves the series. The never-ending story. All your favorite characters are back in an all-new movie about a young man... Bastian. ...whose destiny is controlled by a magical storybook. How can something that's happening right now be in this book? Every move you make is part of your story. But Bastian's story... ...has fallen into the wrong hands. Maybe we could make a few things happen to him. The Nasties must have the never-ending story. They're the ones making all this stuff happen. Help me! This evil force comes from the human world. This is my story, and I'm not going to let it happen. Now, he'll risk everything. How's he going to get the book away from these thongs? To save two worlds. Hurry up, let's go. You can own the never-ending adventure and the never-ending fun. <laughs> Your body's gone. Well, your body went years ago. Your whole family will enjoy. Take a journey beyond your imagination. The never-ending story three, Escape from Fantasia. I want to read you a little bit of something from the Wikipedia on never-ending story three, if you haven't read it yet. Okay. Author of the original book, Michael Ende, yeah. had absolutely no involvement with the film, with producer Tim Hampton commenting, We own all rights to the title now. Ende had certain rights on the previous two movies. He had a lot of control on Wolfgang Peterson's The NeverEnding Story. On George Miller's The Next Chapter, it was more along the lines of, We had to show him what we were doing at all times, and then he'd give us his opinion. But here... We're clear and free to do what we want. Hell um, yeah. Final note. McDonald, director of this movie, was not allowed to cut the film himself with the editing decisions made solely by the producers. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. That's good. Welcome to Rough Cuts. <laughs> we did Never Ending Story 3. The third I'm one. Your, the third one. The end of the story. I'm, I'm your co-host... Ilian and this is uh, the other co-host, Foyks. Hello. And uh, we we do a bad dog movie podcast where we watch a terrible movie and then immediately jump in with our thoughts on it. So we finished this like five, ten minutes ago. And it changed my and life. Changed, I was going to say, yeah. I've been... I've been changed forever. That yeah. Jack, Jack Black traveled into my mindscape, into my Fantasia, and turned me into a nasty. We're all nasty if you think about it. We're all we're all nasty now. <laughs> I hmm. I might have made an error in <laughs> picking this one up. Uh, Never Ending Story Three was a direct to VHS movie. We know it was direct to VHS because that's how we watched it. Congratulations <laughs> the, on owning a VHS true. copy of I, I the NeverEnding Story 3. For some reason, I own this now. Yeah, so the first two movies released in theaters. This one did not. Mm -hmm. The first two movies have box office numbers. This does yep. not. Correct. I, I did a little bit of research on that. So the first two movies made $150 million. Yes. Like, between them. Uh, this movie had a $25 million budget, and the only number I can find is that it, it had a gross of $5 million, so which means it lost $20 million. <laughs> Which is huge. I don't even think that covers the actors and the camera crew and everything else, so... I, I mean, is it bad to lose 80% of your budget? <laughs> Yeah, probably. That's, that seems yeah. seems like it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. So Making back I'm, 20% of your investment seems poor. I want to say this also had like a 25% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's pretty low, which is understandable after watching it. I'm not sure how it got that high. Yeah, it's somewhere well, around there. Okay, I will say... I. I can kind of understand how it got that high because Jack Black is fucking fantastic in this. 
I think that's the only redeeming part. It's, it is about the only redeeming part, yes. But 26%. Is... 26% on tomatoes. Double checked. Oh, one second. Oh, God, the cops are coming for me because I mentioned that the nasties are good. Yeah, that's the nasties. You gotta watch out. Oh, God, watch They're out coming. for the nasties. They're coming. Here, one second. Let me close my window. <laughs> fuck. God damn it. A lot of cops. Yeah, there are. What the fuck? No, it's fine. Damn it. Everything's fine. This is fine. It's exactly what I wanted. This is a professional recording. Open up in there! You watch Never Ending Story 3? Quick, kick down the door! I'm not. I'm, 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 uh, motherfuckers. I'm, I'm playing Tekken. I'm, I swear. Shoot anything that moves in there. Jeez. This movie's pre-Jack Black being popular. So oh, that, that's something yeah. that's something very to point out. Free, very he's not that. he's not even listed on the the box anywhere. No, yeah, he's he's a nobody actor at this point. No. Yes, yeah, this is like his third movie kind of thing. They didn't know what they yes. had. Yeah. They did not know it. Well, I feel like they learned what they had because again, he is a shining ray of light in a dark, dark, dark dark movie <laughs> which is actually kind of runs into my problem with this so you've seen the never ending story when i was a kid yeah but i was gonna say as a child i loved the ne never ending story i've probably seen it a dozen times including fairly recently like in the last five-ish years or so uh, I still I still think that movie holds up in a lot of ways. It's really weird. There's definitely some problems with it. It's far from perfect. But how strange and, as I was saying, uh, what tied me into this is the darkness of it. It's, it is one of those kids' movies. Yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, it's one of those kids' movies that really does not pull its punches. Like, extremely does not pull its punches. It's and actually potentially a scary movie for children, yes. Extremely. K yeah, kind of like, like uh, Return to Oz is like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is a moment in... There was one moment that struck me when I watched it again in particular where the villain, which is like this wolf thing, um, starts talking to Atreyu, the kid in the fantasy world, because there mm -hmm. are... In these movies, normally, there is a fantasy world in the book that has a main character, and then there is a real-world analog kid, and they kind of interact with each other. Not yeah, so and, much in this one. And they got the whole metal band Atreyu in that Yes, one. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, he's talking to Atreyu, the kid in the fantasy thing, and like the main villain is doing it, and he's like, I'm... I'm helping the nothing eat away at the world. And the kid's like, why would you do that? And he goes, because this is the analog into the real human world of like kind of the psychic imagination of humanity. And he's like, well, then why would you destroy it? And he's like, because people without hope have fear and people mm -hmm. that have fear are easy to control. And, like, it's like, Jesus Christ! Like, it is fucking dark! And then the wolf, he's like, well, if we're both gonna die, then fucking get me! The kid says that. And then he stabs the wolf through the goddamn heart with blood drenching all over both of them. And yeah. the wolf t body twitches out on the ground. This is a fucking kid's movie! It rules, I know. It's yeah. great! It's so good! This movie has... A dinosaur is sitcom with the rock guys, which I need to talk about too later, but we'll get it to does that. Have a so sitcom. Mad about everything. It has the weird okay, the analog in this one, how I said that there's a main character analog in the fantasy mm -hmm. world, and then like the main character analog in the real world. The analog I just realized in this movie is that there are two different sitcoms. There's a fantasy world sitcom and a real world sitcom. <laughs> And they're both clashing, <laughs> and it's, uh, 
it's like a um an after school special meets another after school special yes. meets meets the dinosaurs from Jim yes. Henson. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's like it's if you so made good. it's like if you made never ending story a Pee Wee's Playhouse episode. <laughs> Which is what it is. You think yeah. about it. Uh-huh. Uh, I have the it back of the box. Jack Black. Uh-huh, yeah. So, take your imagination on this thrill ride of a movie. Here's the latest chapter in the popular film trilogy starring Free Willy's Jason James Richter as Bastion, a teenager whose life is turned upside down when his father remarries. But when the nasties take control of the book, his Fantasian <sighs> friends get stuck on Earth, and it's up to Bastion to save them. And in order to do that, he must defeat the nasties with great music by some of your favorite rockers. <laughs> this awesome oh. fantasy adventure celebrates the joy of reading and the oh. magic books create within our own imagination. <laughs> I think all of that is a lie. I'm just... People that are listening to the podcast will already know this is happening, but I'm just going to explain what I'm going to do for editing this week to you, boys, so that you know. When you, t- when you start talking about the favorite rockers in this, I'm going to slowly fade in Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> Kiss from a Rose, <laughs> rose on the grave. grave. You know, what every child oh. wants in their movie. Did you just say grave? Did you just say grave? It's Kiss from a Rose on the Grave. That's a that's like a Bernstein Bears thing. I don't fucking remember. I I don't know this fucking song. I hate that song so goddamn much. (laughs) Uh, There was Batman crying in the background, and you didn't even pay attention. (laughs) How dare you? I. uh, This whole thing, it's. I'm really torn about this experience because I both, (laughs) I loved watching this movie with you because it's so fucking bad in (laughs) some very specific very 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 dumb ways and jack black is just like he's not chewing scenery he's like axe murdering it he's running around with a chainsaw through this fucking film (laughs) and it's great in that way and also I love Neverending Story, and what it does to Neverending Story is a fucking crime. <laughs> it's <laughs> so bad. It's so bad what it does to everything that was but, good about Neverending Story. But that's the best part. That's uh-huh. the best part. It, it takes yeah. Neverending Story, and it shapes it into its own shit pile. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what. It, that's the best part. That's how it you make a, it a, an interesting movie. Yeah, it chews it up, digests it, and then shits it out, and that's Never Ending Story 3. The whole... You think the movie is about Bastion's father remarrying. You think it's about the nasties stealing the book. You think it's about the Fantasia creatures going to Earth, but it's really about the gnomes needing to take a shit. (laughs) That that is most of the story, yeah. That is the plot. Yeah, there's a hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a hero's journey, they... Okay, so hero's journey... Hold up, hold up, hold up. I actually... Wait a minute. I need to pull this mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to make sure I get all of the spots of it, because I think that this actually fits the whole thing. So it has the call to adventure is mm-hmm. the first thing. Bastion shows up in the never-ending story, running away from the bullies, and he immediately crushes their home, and therefore their toilet... Uh huh. So that's the call to adventure. The immediately they have that. So then there is. <laughs> yeah, go on. There's the threshold I'm guardians. There's the threshold guardians, and uh, like a helper and stuff. So they they meet the the bark troll and stuff, and he goes, "Hey, you can just shit in the woods." So there's a challenge and temptation, which is the next step of the hero's journey. And they go, "No, we can't just shit in the woods." So then they have a revelation, and they realize that if they're on Earth, there's toilets everywhere. And they go to mm-hmm, Earth, mm-hmm. that's that's the revelation, and then the transformation is them realizing that they can't use the toilets on Earth because they're tiny little gnomes. And then they atone for their sins, which is the next part of the hero's journey, 
mm-hmm. and then go back to Bastion and say, please, sir, we really need to take a giant dumpy. <laughs> and then he... And then they do. Let us out! There's no time. We gotta go. No! We got to go! He does the return and the gift of the goddess. He returns them to Fantasia. And they have their his and her toilets and they shit and they're back home. That's mm-hmm. they go from the known to the unknown and, and back. It's the whole there, hero's there's, journey. There's a big thing at the beginning of the movie where Bastion's looking for the bathroom also, which is weird. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, there is. Yeah, he doesn't have a hero's journey though. He doesn't poop at the end, so No, so yeah, it can't be a hero's journey. Yeah. I hate that their story actually fits into the hero's journey. That is, that's legitimately the arc for it the films in this. It does. It's fucking Christ. I mean, so we could talk about the movie beginning to end, but it's really basic. I Yeah. There's not much plot that really happens. It's just stuff happens on screen. Like, it cuts from sitcom to sitcom, like, joke thing mm-hmm. happening. That's not funny. There's no joke, by the way. It's just... no. This is a movie of small vignettes, and another thing, just as your sitcom point, and how much it's like sit, sitcom piece to sitcom piece, they also even try to start putting in like catchphrases for characters, mm-hmm. as if it's again a sitcom in the '90s. Like Falcor is constantly going like, "Oh, that can't be good." Or uh, I wouldn't have wished for that. Or wow, this lucky because yes. of the luck dragon. Yeah. yeah, and the baby constantly goes, "Kiss me, I'm the baby." Yeah, the baby gotta love me. God, God, I'm the baby. Gotta kiss me. God, that's so. It's so dinosaurs. It's so bad. It is. Oh, it is. Right. And and the mom and dad oh. rock rock people are constantly like the dinosaurs. Mom and dad too. They gave the rock man a tank top. Yeah, he has a tank top. A rock top. The rock rock woman has curlers in her hair as a joke at the beginning because she's she's the mom, you see. Yeah. And and the tree man Bark Troll or whatever his name is. Barky. Barky. Bark Troll. Uh he's just Dom DeLuise at home. We have a Dom DeLuise at home. We don't need to pay that man. Yeah. John John Jeloise here. Yeah. Who also like, is the same voice actor as Falcor in this movie because they needed to save on budget, apparently. God. But they spent $25 um, million. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, honestly, okay, I will say they have good creature work. The The Jim Henson puppet work is great. I yeah, agree. Yeah, like all the, all the puppet work and the special effects kind of like set work is really, really good. That part holds up. It's just in service of nothing. Did you ever watch the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3? Where they go back in time? No. Okay, did you watch the first movie? The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, the super dark one. I, like, never really watched them, though. Wow. Okay, so the first movie has really good costuming, right? Sure. And, And everything actually looks really dark and gritty, and it's not trying to be a kids movie necessarily. It's just trying to be a comic movie. So they're trying to make it look really interesting and cool. And by the third movie, the costumes are like you could see the seams underneath the head, yeah, and, and like the zippers, <laughs> <laughs> and the mouths no longer move. They just kind of like bounce back and forth instead of in like the first movie where the mouth actually goes up and down. Yeah, sure. They did some costume oh. changes in this film. For the Fantasias. Oh. And it, it reminds me a lot of Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> where they just downgraded everything. Yeah. So, can I talk about the Rockman now? Sure, sure. Am I allowed? Am I allowed to? Okay, I want to... Because I want to get into this. Because everybody knows... Never Ending Story kind of has the really famous, like, sad scene of the horse dying in the swamp right Mm -hmm. there's like that really really famous thing where it's a movie that destroys your childhood because it is a tearjerker at a few points and everybody always talks about that scene for me the scene that wrecked me emotionally as a kid and 
as an adult too is the scene in the arc with the rock man so that they changed him into a tank top sitcom dad <laughs> just killed me also so let's just start out with the basic look of the rock man and here he's just a regular sized man but made out of rock with a he's a fred top. flintstone yes yeah yes but in the original movie like the kid goes up to talk to him and he doesn't come up to his toe like he's a mountain he's a he's a mountain yes he's yes like he is a big 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 goddamn rock man he's big and weird and i it's cool that he's so different in the first movie there there's a thing called the nothing that is just like destroying the world it's basically this force of nature that is like swallowing things into the void and the rock man has a bunch of adventurers with him that the main characters meet like they're basically a D&D group almost going around doing sure things. sure they're like an adventure group that is trying to help solve the problem and he runs into the rock man at near the end of the movie when everything's really fucking grim as shit. And the rock man is looking down at his hands and he turns to Atreyu and he goes, These look like big, strong hands, don't they? They look like big, good, strong hands, don't they? I always thought that's what they were. Little friends, the little man with his racing snail, the night hub, even the stupid bat. I couldn't hold on to them for nothing. Pulled them right out of my hands. I failed. Listen, the nothing. Will be here any minute. I will just sit here and let it take me away too. They look like good, strong hands. Don't it's depressing. Yeah. The first movie's dark as shit. It goes places. And it's great. Whereas in this one, he gets hit over the head with a ladle. <laughs> He gets it over the head with a label. And, and he, and he and, rides a motorcycle to, and, and sings, sings Born to be wild. He and his wife Peter as, as he rides his rock motorcycle with his rock child, who he then loses because he's a deadbeat sitcom dad. Go away, tell the man to his rocks in peace. Well, you shouldn't be so nasty. Nasty? Who's being nasty? Junior always gets into trouble when he's with you. What? Would you rather he lay around the cave all day helping you with those mud cakes? What the <laughs> fuck did they do to this movie? <laughs> what did they do? They did something magical. That's what they did. They, they, wished, they wished the first movie was better and they came out with this. That's what happened. <laughs> like, yeah, they, <laughs> they the found thing is the, they the almost Oran. did make it better. They almost <laughs> did make it better because it's so bad. It's so bad and it's so dumb that it's kind of amazing. He's singing Born <laughs> to be Wild with his rock child in this fantasy world. They're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're making like all these real world Mm -hmm. pop culture quip references the whole movie but they're all like weird gnome people and shit it's just <laughs> nonsense it's so it makes bad. no sense it makes no sense oh. the the tree is constantly <sighs> talking about like flying on an airplane while in fantasia and stuff like that too like it makes no sense it's just garbage but my favorite part about the born to be wild scene is that it's not just him singing it's a music video yes yes and they were so confident in that music video (laughs) yeah 
that they ended the film <laughs> on it again. They put it as an end credits scene. They put it over the end credits. They were the so confident. Dude, they're so confident the actual end of the film is a slow motion still high five. <laughs> In midair. Yeah, it freeze frame high, high five. five still. Like like it was a fucking sports movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it's every... This is like, every trope. It's every single trope that you can imagine. They just threw all of them together. They just slammed it. Just stuff a couple more in. I mean, here's the thing. Oh, if you're going to make a movie God. and you're going to shit on the source material, you got to go all in. They did. They super and they went did. all in. <laughs> yeah. More in than I thought you ever could get. And, and it's even better because, like, so Jack Black is the leader of the Nasties. Yes. Obviously. And and the nasties taking over Fantasia, which is people being mean to each other, I guess. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, because, it's not it's not because, as deep as the nothing. It's just well, nasty. Well, they, they they just dress up in like motorcycle leathers and they they have a mohawk and a tattoo. They listen to punk music. Yeah. Dang. Lame. They got to be real real. But they also real got people. held back. They're in their senior year of <laughs> high school. I was wondering when we were going to say that. So the entire How many years are they held back? The entire group of nasties is like mid-20s. Yes. <laughs> they're I supposedly they... high school seniors. Uh, I love that they cast Jack Black in this and they realized how bad it was because he was like 26 in the filming of this. So they were like, uh, let's just throw in a line that he was held back for a lot. <laughs> How long do you plan on being held back? We're going to hit the record. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there are times in movies like this where you're like, okay, they look a little old, but also it's like, ah, they're kind of that timeless, like, young person look where it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to tell. You're like, okay, they could be a really mature looking 17 year old, I guess. Jack Black is like, very obviously a grown-ass man. It's not even, like... He doesn't have the looks to pull that off. He doesn't have the yeah, usefulness going for him It's 20-somethings bullying a 14-year-old. It's right? incredible. Like, yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, too, is that the main character doesn't look like he's in high school. He looks like he's in junior high at, work, at best. And so it's like... Okay, they, they also, brought this kid up five years, and these kids have been in high school for an extra ten. <laughs> but they also made him, like, the most nonsense. bullyable person ever. <laughs> and it's somehow the bully's fault? Like, no. Mm. Yeah, go I on. Have a note, I have a note for that. Five. You got a name? Bastion Baltazar... Bucks. What kind of name Why is that? Why did he tell him his middle name? Tell him the middle yeah, name. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Jesus Christ. What a dweeb. <laughs> of course they're going to give I... him a swirly. I want to give him a swirly. <laughs> the first thing he says when he meets his stepsister is, by the way, Fantasia's real, and there's dragons, and rock people. And they're all my friends, and there's a child empress, and I go to an ivory tower there, and here's my really cool orb thing that I have from it. And my orn thing grants wishes. (sighs) Oh, cool. I'm gonna swirly you too now. Great. (laughs) She, like, pulls out her headphones and seals Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose playing. And -hmm. then just slowly puts them back in and turns away from him. (laughs) As, As the music, like, Fades back Fade, out, fades yeah. out, and then fades in, and then yeah. <laughs> that that scene where she takes off her headphones felt like a joke, like a ship post. Like they were laughing at the audience. Christ, it it's just... the dumbest thing. It's so good. It's so good. But the the nasties, uh, I guess, get the book or whatever. That's the joke. Is the nasties are taking over the world, and they're gonna ruin your dad's. Uh, marriage to your stepmom i guess they don't even mean to do that that's there's so much that nobody means to do or things that just happen in this film i why did they put a space ball scene in the movie where 
Jack Black of the Nasties is reading the book as things are currently happening in the book, and then they do a like where they look back and forth, like where's this now? Now, yeah, right now, now, <laughs> yeah. But when was then? Now, no, then is now. Now, then will be then later, but yeah. not now. Yeah, <laughs> that just happens. That whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do the they do the spaceballs joke. Why? The the tone of this movie is all over the place. Well. I mean, I think the tone of this movie, it, it, they're trying to go for comedy the whole time. They're just bad at it. It feels like they're trying to do an airplane style send up of the first two movies. The more that of I the think first about two, it. yeah. Like, or like is it supposed scar- to make fun of them? Like, right? Yeah, it's like a scary movie version of <laughs> the never-ending story. I know some critics were calling this just Bastion goes to high school. That's the the story. No, and no. I don't think that's it either. No, not Cause at it's, all. Because it's so little of this is about his high school experience. I Okay, I have a question for you. In order to destroy Fantasia, all you have to do is knock down books in a library, right? Because that ruins the books so nobody can read them anymore because kids don't read books anymore. And, and the nasty is what happens when kids stop reading, right? Yeah, apparently. The nasties took, like, two minutes to get all in on the idea oh, yeah. of Fantasia in the book. Yeah, yeah. There was no thought. They were just reading themselves, talking about themselves at that exact moment. Like, wow, Fantasia's real. And now we're going to talk to the Enchantress or whatever, the Queen. I don't remember the characters. Child Empress. The Child yeah. Empress. Great. And yeah. we're going to control Fantasia when we get the Orin. And this is like two minutes after finding the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They read it. They realize that it's about them. And they go, all right, well, this is happening now. So I guess that we just believe it. Fuck it. I guess. <laughs> Since we were talking about the comic side of this movie, I just realized we were saying that the the bark troll is always making like bad jokes and shit or trying to like mm-hmm. he's talk just about rambling having... is what he's doing, yeah. Yeah. There was one moment, there was a singular joke that I thought was actually very funny considering just who they had the bark troll kind of acting like. And He's talking to Bastion. I don't remember the context, but I just wrote it down as he's like, come on, man, can we please do this? I, n- I really need a win. <laughs> and it just fucking killed me. <laughs> come on, kid, I need a win. <laughs> like, that's the whole energy of this movie. Yeah. So the, the Fantasia creatures get pulled into the real world because of a wish overload which is where they zoom the camera in and out very quickly. It's worse than the Porygon episode of Pokemon. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not a good idea. And But, like, so the Fantasia creatures go to Earth, I guess. They get sucked out of the book. And they also know they're in a book and that it's a story and it's not real. Yeah. They're, they're self-aware of that, which I don't think was a thing. No. I mean, like, it, yes... For certain characters at a certain point but like that was the main villain that was his whole thing yeah. is that he did know that but then like this is a moment where the filmmakers are like trying to say something in some cases like the luck dragons flying around and sees an airline like a plane like okay uh-huh. but the luck dragons talking to it like it's a person like oh hey plane sorry i didn't know you were here oh i'm a luck dragon it's like okay but that one doesn't have anything to say but then when when bark troll shows uh-huh. up at the lumber mill yes oh god it just yeah uh-huh. it just turns into fern gully for a couple minutes for some reason <laughs> for like five minutes it just becomes this environmental movie yeah and then what the hell was it. that about and then it's done with it because because it ends it on a joke later I guess. Yes. Why did the rock baby show up at Mount Rushmore of all places? Because he wanted to eat that president. <laughs> baby, he wanted to eat you Mount eat that Rushmore. president. And you know what? That if that baby ate Mount Rushmore and cleared that mountain, that would have been really good. That baby should have done that. That was a good idea. At least eat the president's faces off of it. Return it back to its glory as a sacred site. Right. 
right? Right? I... Oh, God. But, like, the, the luck dragon just flies around and catches the baby off of Mount Rushmore. And, like... <laughs> this all sounds like a ship post. It's... Yeah, none of this movie makes any sense, and it just jumps from scene to scene, and it constantly just picks up a new theme, looks at it like it's a shiny rock, and is like, wow, that's cool, and then throws it over its shoulder and forgets about it forever, <laughs> like the environmentalism thing. But, like, I don't know. Like Bastion's looking for them, kind of, in, like, the laziest way possible by sitting in his room with his telescope looking outside yes. of his window. He's I don't not know, really maybe trying. I'll see one of them from my telescope. That he has the Orin. He can just wish them to be there, right? Like, how does the wishing yes. work? Yep. Oh. But uh, oh. Well, but he gets warned not to wish for things like that. Uh, oh. Okay. Because. Well, good thing because, he never uses the Orin um, for evil later. Yeah. Good thing that nobody ever uses it for wishes at all later, and that's not a problem. Yeah, nothing happened. But, so, as he's looking through his telescope, he sees the the luck dragon near some fireworks, and then he teleports to a Chinese New Year celebration, because this movie takes yes. place at the end of the year, after Christmas, during Chinese New Year, so, like, January. Yeah, yeah, like, January, February, somewhere in there, yep. Yeah, and... And the luck dragons at a Chinese New Year like parade, which is very racist. Most movies that have a dragon that looks vaguely like a like zodiac style Chinese dragon would try and de-emphasize how racist that might be. And then there's movies like Never Ending Story Three that exacerbate. And... But draw attention like, to it as much the as nasties possible. The nasties are also at the Chinese New Year <laughs> celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, looking at it through his, he's looking at it through his telescope, sees the dragon in the fireworks, walks out the front door, and is inside of this major city's Chinese festival immediately. Mm -hmm. And then the nasties are beside him 30 seconds later. Yeah. Yep. Because they're trying to steal the Orin from him. But they don't because they're scared of the luck dragon, who then flies them back home, which is right outside of his front door. Yes. Yes. Uh, but the <laughs> other... <laughs> so the, the gnomes go to Gnome, Alaska, so that FedEx can get into the movie. <laughs> yeah, specifically so they can have a FedEx product placement. Yep. And then they get product placement mailed back. While Bark... Troll gets mailed back from the lumber mill. Yes. They each do a mailback scene, and they do them back-to-back, -back, where the gnomes mail themselves in FedEx, and then it shows the bark troll getting loaded onto a truck, and then it cuts to the house, and the kid's signing for a package, and it's the troll being delivered as a tree mm -hmm. and then he the troll hits the man because they bring back environmentalism for 10 seconds and then it immediately cuts to the mom at the front door answering for a different package from, Fed from fedex well, there's 10 minutes in a row of just mail scenes and, and then she signs for the package <laughs> in real time uh-huh yeah and then she takes the package inside and then she she shakes the package, which causes the gnomes who need to poop mm -hmm. to tell her that they're in there. But then Bastion shows up and takes the package. And then the package, which has the gnomes in it, uh, is still making noise. So then he has to come up with an excuse for why they got the package from FedEx. It was mailed from FedEx. You see, from Gnome, Alaska, where they have a FedEx mm -hmm. station. In a oh, FedEx does box. FedEx... Wow, FedEx got that there really fast from yeah, them last Yeah, overnight. They did it overnight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huh. it was great. Wow. Yeah, they were talking about how they would be able to get overnight all the way back home. That's pretty good for uh, services. Do you so, think that cost a lot from FedEx? No, it was probably, probably expensive with FedEx, but, like, it was overnight. I mean, probably. But they did get it there in one night, and that's pretty good service, if you think about it. Anyways, as he's talking to his, his stepmom about what's in the package that he ordered from FedEx that he signed for at the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from FedEx? From that FedEx? 
<laughs> that delivery guy was really friendly too. Let me tell you. <laughs> he has to come up with excuses. Those excuses. Oh, uh, that the noise is just from the p- parrot that I ordered. <laughs> and it's definitely not dead in this box from being shaken. And mailed from molasses. And the, and the box is like 12 by 4 or something by 8. Uh-huh. It's really small. <laughs> it's almost an and, envelope. And then he just awkwardly backs into his room and then they never talk about it again. There's a lot of never talk about it again in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I just broader brush. What was the point of any of the Fantasians coming to Earth and wreaking havoc? Because uh, the Nasty? For the Remember overall the, plot. The Nasty yeah, the was nasty. there, so... Oh, yeah, the Nasty's taking over Fantasia. Have we been to Fantasia in the last hour? I don't... Have we? Well, they keep cutting to the Empress getting nastier. I guess. And then, like, she, she calls... A guy, a butthead. And then she she also wants to go shopping. So that's pretty nasty, right? Oh yeah, the stepsister turns into like a mall queen. Because of the Orin amulet. When she realizes that she can just wish whatever she wants. So she turns into Molly Moon. Yeah, she steals... Well... No, he turns into Molly Moon. Oh, that's true. <laughs> They're both evil in their own ways. She's, she steals from the store. That's true. She does steal from the store. He also completely overwrites people's personalities and changes yeah. their core being. He does erase someone. He, he erases five people's personalities and then rewrites them in his own image. That's true. Yes. That's pretty bad. As our hero would do. Yeah. You know, heroic shit. Yeah. The nasties do live in the hubcap dimension. (laughs) So, like... They live inside Tank Girl is what they do. (laughs) They do. They do. So, like, I mean, you need to rewrite that. You can't just have 25-year-old college (laughs) expelled kids living in the hubcap dimension at your local mall. Right. They have a hey. dark hole that's covered over by a recycling bin that's full of like road signs and shit. It's oh god, it's so good. It's good. So anyway, um the the book gets stolen by the nasties in their hubcap dimension. Bastion mm. loses the amulet to his stepsister, who goes yes. on a shopping spree. And then the nasties get the amulet, I think. And then they they make the world yeah. nasty. And this all happens directly after the Chinese New Year celebration. That's right, mm-hmm. on Halloween. On Halloween, yeah. Yeah, in October. I, I want to take a small bit of offense to you saying that he lost the amulet to his stepsister. Because he didn't lose the amulet. He just, the plot demands that he forget about it and just decide to leave it in his room. Mm, mm, true. For what reason? He's just like, yeah, you know, I'm on my magic quest with my magic amulet. I'm going to take it off and leave it here now. Sounds good. Taps the desk, walks away, and then she walks in and grabs it. Like, he basically says that. He's like... Well, I'm on my magic quest. Uh, here I have my cool Orin. <sighs> but I gotta make sure it doesn't fall into any bad hands. Let me just take it off and leave it out in the open in my room. I'm gonna walk away for the next ten hours. Hope nobody takes it. And then he yeah. just leaves. That's kind yeah. of the, the way that it gets stolen. And it's like, why is he doing this? <laughs> There's a lot of character so motivations. Dumb. It's that, so dumb. I wanted to bring that up because that's kind of how every plot point happens in this movie. Where somebody just goes like, huh, you know it would be really interesting now? If we became nasty. Because there's the nasties that are taking over Fantasia. So we should be nasty. Why don't we be nasty to each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think we're going to be nasties now. Like the parents. Do you want to talk about the parents <sighs> finding them all? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Because, like, so now it's Halloween. The parents are there. 
And then they have a big fight because the stepsister used wishes to steal from the store. And uh, Bastion, you know, skipped school for three classes at the beginning of a day. And stole a book from the library. (gasps) Horrible monsters. So then they fight and they break up. And we learn that it's been one week... (laughs) Since their marriage <laughs> between Chinese New Year and Halloween. It's well, been their, one week. Their marriage that happened before the start of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then now, yeah. this yeah. whole adventure has happened between, like in the week after their marriage. And, and this is all going... All of- it's all going to the soundtrack of an original song about living in a nasty world. Was that an original? That's original on the soundtrack. Okay. I, I looked that up. Yeah. I, I, I want to just also mention that this nasty world song is where the rock baby goes to essentially sit on Halloween Santa's lap in the mall. Halloween that's apparently Santa. a thing. That's basically... Yeah. That is what it is. He's like, there's like a Dracula that's letting little kids sit on his lap at the mall for Halloween, like you do. I, I think if a Dracula sits down with a photo booth and asks kids to take a photo, that's that's a call the cop situation. That is not. And a, it's, that's not a thing that happens. And it's all to this nasty world song that is. <laughs> It's so good. I love this movie, and I hate this movie so much at the same time. (laughs) It's really breaking me. (laughs) So this movie is just, it's incredible. They're in the department store. The parents are fighting. The nasties have the amulet. The amulet grants wishes, but it's not allowed to be used to grant wishes or bad things happen. Except the girl does a whole bunch of wishes and nothing bad happens. And then the nasties get it, but they decide not to do any wishes. But them just having it alters the very fabric of reality, which makes everybody nasty. This is the part of the movie where they blame everything that ever happens, where people disagree and argue and fight on the nasties. And nobody takes accountability for their own problems at all. Like anytime that I've been a dick, it's because Jack Black's controlling me through a magic book. I'm sorry, I don't know why you have any yeah, issues. Yeah, like, but... like the dad and and mom, the stepmom are like arguing, and that's the nasty's fault. It's not because they have real marital problems and issues they need to work through with their kids, and and the kids are fighting, and it's not because the the stepsister called him bullyable and uncool and told him the truth, which hurt. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of the actual reality of his life yeah yeah and, she and was he hated being that. honest and and that's the nasty talking not them i don't know being human beings i don't i don't know what the fuck this was talking about yeah no uh i want to mention so that part the the sister and him they at least do fight at the beginning and have mm-hmm. those interpersonal problems the parents, it really is just the nasties, to be fair, because they have a perfect, loving, nice marriage where they're both getting along and doing a really good job of raising the kids and talking to each other at the beginning of the For that whole film. week they've been together, yeah. Yes. And then they just start fighting out of nowhere in the mall because the nasties take over. And then it immediately resolves at the minute the nasties are gone because that's... This is just like that story about what Angela Anaconda ruining someone's marriage at the Digimon oh movie. <laughs> where, <laughs> where, <laughs> as a Canadian, I firmly apologize for Amanda Anaconda. Angela You told Anaconda. me this, or Angela Anaconda. God, I never saw this. You explained this to yeah. me, so, so please explain so it again. There's an urban legend, which might or might not be true. It's definitely uh, true. I believe it. I'm Canadian. I can back this up. It happened. All right, so, it's real. Now that so we know the, that it's real, continue. These parents that had maybe a a uh, tenuous relationship 
take their kid to go see the Digimon movie. And that movie just blindsidedly opens with an Angela Anaconda skit out of fucking nowhere. It has nothing to do with Digimon, except, like, it's it's about her going to a Digimon movie. And, but why is it here? <laughs> so the kid starts crying because I don't want to see Angela Anaconda, that horrible Canadian monster. I want to see Nobody Digimon. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Which causes the two parents to fight, and they, they break up at the Digimon movie because of Angela Anaconda. Loudly over their child. Yeah. Yeah, that's the story. It's exactly like that. The nasties got him, and the nasty nasties. being Angela Anaconda. <laughs> that's a lot scarier than Jack Black, to be fair. But okay, so the nasties get the Orin, right? Yes. And and then it gets passed around a lot between the various Fantasias and nasties until Bastion gets it again. They basically, then, like, do a hot potato. Hot potato. With it. Yeah. And then Jack Black starts taunting him. He's like, oh, you got the, the Orin, huh? You, what are you going to do? You going to wish? What? You big man now? Only a big man when you got the Orin? Can't fight me like a normal person? Huh? Huh? Put the put the Orin down. Put the gun down. Bash put the gun, put the gun down, down, huh? Down. What are you going to do? You going to wish a bullet into Jack Black's head? <laughs> yeah, put the gun down, Bastion. Come on. Fight me like a real... Uh, I don't know, bullyable child. Uh, I'm 25. <laughs> I was going to say this 25-year-old man goading this 14-year-old into a fist fight. Yeah, so, so of course, or he, Bastion puts the Orin down, the gun down, mm-hmm. which is literally what the scene is. It's, it's, it's just he's using the Orin as a gun to threaten him. Yep. And then okay, they have a fist fight. Hold- Okay, sorry, I was joking about this grown 25-year-old man bullying a 14-year-old. I actually nailed the other kid's age, too. He yeah. Is 14. He is 14 yeah, in this. I, I, I thought it was about there, yeah. Holy fuck, dude. Sorry, but, he's, sorry he's 13. Oh, my God. Uh, all right, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just So, so the stepsister uh, starts reading from the book as they're about to have their fist fight, and then she's like, Bastion, who is a master of karate? <laughs> I always took two like, lessons. He's a, a a full combination of Bruce Lee and Sylvester Stallone no, and Steven. It's even Seagal. worse. Yeah, it's just Seagal and Van Damme. That's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> and if it's just Seagal, Jack Black's fine. Nothing oh, yeah. bad's gonna happen. <laughs> What's he gonna do? Vaguely wave his hands at him. <laughs> So, so then he, he starts beating him up with really shitty Seagal moves until the luck dragon shows up, which scares them away. The nasties. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the movie ends with him wishing the nasties were completely rewritten as different people. And high five, freeze frame, and luck dragon saying, well, that was lucky. <laughs> yeah. That's all, folks. As the rock baby comes in saying, gotta love me. I'm the baby. I honestly don't remember how many of the things that you've just stated are actually true. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. Well, and it was the, the such gnomes... a fucking mess that I don't remember. <laughs> the gnomes took a shit. The tree got hair. That back. part happens because the tree. Yes, was that bald. also happens. Uh huh. <laughs> those are true things. I, yeah. I'm remembering those. <laughs> I could just say anything, and you'd believe it. At this point. Yes. Let's rate the dogs. <laughs> uh, the luck dragon's a dog. They even call him the a luck- dog. They make him more dog-like in this. Like, yeah. way more dog-like. It's weird. He I, he looks better in a way, but also him being off-putting was what made you believe that he was a dragon and not a big flying dog. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know how to feel about the luck dragon. Uh, he doesn't really do anything in the whole movie. No. He's comic relief. Just like mm-hmm. the rock baby. And the bark monster. And the gnomes. And, and the gnomes. And Jack Black's minions. And the stepsister for most of it. Mm-hmm. A- and, and the butthead guy with the child empress. A- and... 
There's, it's like all common cruelty in this movie. Is imagine a movie where there's twelve Jar Jar Binkses, <laughs> <laughs> and there's also rap music in the background. And there's rap music in the background of the whole. But thing. but it's like yes. early '90s rap. <laughs> early yeah. early '90 early '90s rap made specifically for the movie that wrote in twelve Jar Jar Binkses. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so you I'm going to rate this luck dra- I'm gonna luck- rate the luck dragon as a 12 Jar Jar Binks out of 90s hip hop. That's a weird ratio, but I agree. I-, I think I would probably rate it as a luck dragon lady, the Aquabats song <laughs> out of 10. But like, <sighs> if you pitch it downward incorrectly and then slow it. So it's unlistenable. Yeah. Uh, the other dog is, of course, Jack Black. Jack Black. Slip. Slip. Uh, Jack Black is a good boy who just wants his, his pack to have mm-hmm. fun. And he even built them a hubcap dimension to hang out in at the mall. Right. And he, he never wishes for anything. He's not no. an evil, horrible monster that wishes. He just bullies the most bullyable child known to man. And he only does that because the book demands it. He's a, yeah, the book he's, says it. Yeah. He's stuck to the whims of fate. Bastion Balthazar, Balthazar Books <laughs> is the real villain who then, that Jack Black, through absolutely no fault of his own, who is controlled entirely through the realm of Fantasia, a realm that is at the whims of this other small child, and then has his entire personality erased again, by this mm-hmm. same small child through this fantasy realm, he and he never wrong. he never does a single thing that's racist in this movie. Unlike the Luck Dragon, so I I would give Jack Black like a thirteen out of ten. That's a really good dog. I'm gonna have to just give him a one out of ten, and that's Oof. only because of the one brow that he has. The unibrow. <laughs> they gave him a really good unibrow. Yeah, really really weird unibrow. Yeah. There were a couple other dogs in this movie. There was a couple of incidental dogs, which was really nice. There were. There was a husky at the FedEx station. Yep. That was yep. a good dog. Uh, there was a dog that was trying to kill that tree. The Barky tree. There sure tree. was. I know. I, there was a hero dog that tried to kill Barky the troll. That's a good dog. But sadly. There's a character named dog, according to IMDb. I'm, I'm thinking that's one of the nasties. It I don't know who, though. must be one of the nasties. I'm thinking, uh, my guess is that it's the comic relief nasty. Uh, the goofball one with the hair. Oh, we didn't talk yeah. about the hair. Uh, Bastion has, like, frosted tips without the frosting. Yes. <laughs> throughout most of this movie. <laughs> well, and it's a plot point that he does it. Because he's got perfectly normal, decently looking hair that he's brushing yeah. When the sister comes in and fucking rags on him for having normal hair. And so he goes, okay, fine. Well, I'll just fuck it all up then. And he I'll d- just be does it. even more bulliable. <laughs> he literally does it as like a, well, yeah. fuck you. If you think that I'm uncool now, wait till you see what I do next. And so he purposefully uncools himself. Yeah, he's on everything if you think about it. Yeah. Why? Why did he uncool himself on purpose? <laughs> so that Jack Black could shine more. It makes sense if you think about it. Well, anyway. <laughs> That's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Rough Cuts. Kiss from a rose on the grave. Uh, you... Can check out our Patreon if you want to support this wonderful podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on Co-host uh, as well as TikTok. And uh, we appreciate the support. You can email us at roughcutscast at gmail.com. If you have any feedback, uh, if you're a director of this particular <laughs> film. <laughs> the one thing I know for sure about this is if you ever get a chance to have Jack Black sign something, bring him a copy of Never Ending Story 3. He'll love you for it. He will fucking go wild 
for that. I'm sure he will actually love it, is the thing. I, I, like, oh, I have to believe that Jack Black would enjoy that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that that's it. I think there's only one way we can possibly end this. And I think this is the second time we've done this, because we did it to, to Lowrider previously. Lowrider. Born to be Digital high five! You must only use it to stop the nasty, then you must return it to me.